I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hi, I'm Rena Nainen, and this is Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. It's a podcast to help parents better understand their kids. Dr. Lisa Demore, a psychologist with three decades of experience and the author of three New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. Both of us are moms ourselves, and we're eager to hear from you. So send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And you can join our community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The handle is Ask Lisa Podcast. And also subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, Ask Lisa Podcast. Episode 157, my kid has diagnosed herself from TikTok videos. What should I do? You know, I'm just not a big fan of Valentine's Day. Are you? <laughs> are you? Well, I feel like I feel like for people who are in relationships, it feels like laborious. And I feel like people who aren't in relationships, it just makes them feel bad. <laughs> like I'm you not sure there's a lot of upside. You summed it up perfectly. My <laughs> kids are so into Valentine's Day, but I think all those years of being single and all alone have yeah. really weighed in on my soul. I will tell you, there are wonderful thresholds to cross in parenting. And for me, one of them is when you no longer have to help your kid provide Valentine's to the entire class. Oh, that is a game changer. I hadn't thought of yeah. that. Would yeah, I? no, it's very nice when yeah. that goes away. I love it. I love that. <laughs> um, well, social media can also enhance our feel on that. Um with uh, people talking about love on social media. And so we're going to talk about TikTok. Um, and I want to read you this letter that we got. Dear Dr. Lisa, my 13-year-old spends a lot of time watching TikTok mental health videos. I'm sure that some of what she's finding there is okay. But I don't know what to do when she mentions her OCD. I really don't think she has OCD. Or that she thinks she might have ADHD. I'm reaching out now because I got a call last week from the school. 
after my daughter told a teacher that she, quote, has anxiety that can make it hard for her to do schoolwork. Her teachers are wondering if there's something more they should know or do. How do I talk to my daughter about this? And what should I say to her teachers? Thank you for your help. Okay. What is the story here, Lisa? Okay. This, okay, again, I love our letters. They take us right to the heart of what is happening. This is happening a lot. There is a ton of content, I would say on TikTok in particular, but other places of all of these videos around, do you have this symptom? Do you have that symptom? You might have this. Um, And lots of kids are going down lots of rabbit holes where they get very curious about what their, and I'm going to use finger quotes here, symptoms mean, what diagnosis they may have, um, what is described here, sort of the casual use of diagnostic terms like OCD or ADHD um, is very common. And um, it's a problem. It's a problem. So I'm slightly embarrassed to admit this to you, but my daughter had this cough that wouldn't go away. And I saw a video on social media that said to put chopped up onions in her sock. And I was so- In her sock? In her sock for like 10 minutes. (laughs) I I know you're laughing at me, but I was so desperate because like I'm up all night with this cough and I was like, okay, maybe this will work. But like, I'm ashamed to tell you, even I have like fallen prey to some things like, of course, or surely onions in your sock must work. <laughs> okay, that's bananas. I will just tell it you is, that. And it did not work for anybody wondering. It didn't work? I'm it shocked. It did not work. <laughs> But like, okay. we, I am even susceptible to this stuff. Like, what is happening here? Well, so this is a version of the way in which, I mean, I'm going to use a simpler and probably more generic example. And like, honestly, Rena, like, don't put onions in socks. <laughs> it's embarrassing, I know, but I had to be honest with everyone because I appreciate I was it. Desperate. I appreciate it. But, you know, that way in which like WebMD is like, you know, really terrifying. You know, you, you know, you get a pimple, you're like, then you're sure it's a tumor, right? I mean, it, it, this is a version of that. But what's tricky, Rena, and this is really tricky, is it has different ramifications. It has individual ramifications in terms of identity development and how one thinks about oneself. It has social ramifications in terms of, you know, saying, I have this, um, I have OCD, even, you know, it, it can annoy people, right? Like OCD the diagnosis itself, I don't use this term lightly, is torture for people. If you have full-blown OCD, your life is absolutely constrained, paralyzed, limited by the OCD. For people who are suffering with that or people who are around people who are suffering like that, the casual use of like, oh, that's my OCD bothers them a lot. And I get it. So there's like, it's one thing on WebMD to be like, oh, this pimple might be a tumor, right? That's anxiety provoking for the individual. But the um, self-diagnosis stuff and the um, use in language casually around diagnosis, it takes on a whole new whole new level of concern. Have you seen this? Like kids trying to diagnose themselves this way? Can they really yeah. do this? Okay. So can they do it? I am not going to say that there is not a kid who hasn't gotten it right, right? Where they are being underdiagnosed, somebody's missing the diagnosis. Maybe let's focus on ADHD, which this kid sometimes wonders if she has. Um, There can be kids who are struggling and it is getting overlooked and they get onto TikTok and maybe hopefully a wiser side of TikTok and they line up a whole bunch of symptoms and they're like, this is really me. 
I'm not saying a kid can never be right about that. Here's the challenge. Okay, so have you heard of medical school syndrome? No. Okay, so this is this is something that happens in medical school, is that as you start as a medical student, and I'm not a physician, but there's an equivalent in psychology, you suddenly decide you have all the diseases being discussed, like everything being discussed. Wow. <laughs> You're sure you have it. And the reason is you can have like if you have the sniffles and then you learn about like, you know, some horrible RSV, you're like, I have the sniffles, RSV has sniffles, I must have RSV, right? There's this easy jump from having one symptom or a very low grade version of a symptom to thinking you have the diagnosis. Why is that? Why do we do that? Because we're terrified, because we're anxious. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But like the, the equivalent is in college teaching, which I did for a long time, the class on our pathologies is called abnormal psychology. I taught this for a long time. I co-authored a textbook in this, right? Like this is my favorite part of the field. And so one of the things we warn students about in abnormal psychology is you do not have all of these diagnoses because they open up the chapter on like personality disorders. And then there's they read about narcissism and they were like, well, sometimes I can be a little bit low in empathy or a little bit grandiose. Does that mean I have narcissistic personality disorder? And what we say to the students in abnormal psychology is one symptom does not make a diagnosis and symptoms occur on a continuum, right? So if we look at like depression and the diagnosis of depression, one of the symptoms of depression is low motivation or loss of focus. Okay, Rena, that's me like <laughs> I was just gonna say, every day. Totally. We every all day. feel that loss of focus. Exactly, exactly. And so there's a real hazard if you don't appreciate that it's got to be part of a continuum. If you don't appreciate that we're looking for whole clusters of symptoms, not a single symptom. It is very easy for 13-year-olds on TikTok to suffer from medical student syndrome or abnormal psychology undergraduate symptom syndrome, where they do resonate to one description of a symptom or they do have a very low-grade version of a symptom, mm. and then they make the leap that I must have the diagnosis. Mm. Mm. So what do you think is really the worst-case scenario in this? Okay. This is really the key question because- Kids are doing this a lot. Okay, so yeah. I'm going to give you a couple versions of the – I'll give you the not worst case scenario, but a not great scenario, and then I'll give you what I consider to be a very worrisome scenario. So one thing that is interesting to me is teenagers aren't dumb. There are a lot of teenagers who are like, you don't have OCD. You don't have ADHD. Like that they themselves are aware that you know, just because you have some things that line up with some parts of a diagnosis. And I have been fascinated when I've been meeting with groups of teenagers by the gentle way they will say to me, what do you do if you have a friend who's telling you they're depressed, you know, capital D depressed, but you don't really think they're depressed? And what they're saying is like, these terms are getting thrown around too much and people are, uh, for lack of a better word, abusing them. And we want to be kind and supportive friends. Like we don't want to say to them, you're not depressed, get over it. Yeah. But we also don't want to um, collude in something that we think is inaccurate at best. And then I'm going to say self-dramatizing at worst, right? Mm -hmm. so, so one of the not great scenarios is it actually creates fiction with friends. Because friends, other peers will be like, nah, you know, and then they'll feel stuck. 
Are you saying that the teens, the teen friends start to lose trust in their friendship because they're like, this person is cuckoo because they're creating something that isn't there? Yeah, I don't know what I'd say cuckoo, but like definitely like they're putting me in a jam because I don't want to seem unempathic, right? And there's a lot of social awareness and decency among teens. Like if I tell you I'm suffering, you know, your friends are going to be like, you know, friend, good friends are going to take your suffering seriously. So they want to take the kids seriously, but they also feel really torn because they're like, I, I don't think you've got the diagnosis you say you have, right? Or I think that's unlikely. Or that kid over there, that kid is ADHD. You are having a hard time focusing today, mm -hmm. right? And so it can put their peers in an awkward position. Okay, what happens next? Who knows, right? Some peers may confront it. Some peers may let it go. Some peers may find distance. Some, you know, like it can go a lot of directions. But I just want to say that even among the 13-year-olds and certainly then among 14, 15, 16, this stuff doesn't always fly that well. And, and we want to be mindful of that. Okay, so that's one version of a not great scenario. Here's a much more like concerning version of things. You know this, I know this. Being 13, 14, 15, you're constructing an identity, right? You're getting a sense of who you are and what you're about, right? And don't you have such vivid memories, Rena, of um, you remember the kids who were like came back to school as a skater kid one year? Like, do you remember yes, that? Like yes. you said goodbye in eighth grade and they were preppy. Totally. My 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 kids say like they're emo kids. Like yes. that's and which I didn't even know what that was, but we call them maybe it's goth. Is that the right? I don't know. I think I don't goth know. was a precursor of emo. Yeah. But some and, people showed up after summer in yeah. a totally different totally I, different I, identity. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and it's got a lot of outward signaling. Okay. That can be short lived. It can turn into something perfectly fine. It can be wildly creative. Like emo on its own is not inherently problematic. But one of the things I have seen happen in my clinical career is where kids latch onto a diagnosis, mm -hmm. say eighth, ninth grade, right, which is right around where this kiddo is age-wise, and they're like, I have depression, right? And that that becomes a sense of their organizing identity. And they call it like a habit, like this is a factory setting. There's not, you know, this is just going to be something I have, you know, I live with. And that they use that then to, you know, like guide who they're going to hang out with. Other kids who, you know, understand this or that they feel understand this, they may not put themselves out to do things. They may feel limited in their capacities as a result of this. And it can really foreclose, I think is probably the best way to talk about it. Like if kids organize their identity around a diagnosis, whether it's accurate or not almost sometimes, it can foreclose all sorts of developmental possibilities that we would love to stay on the table. So that would be for me more concerning. And, and you hear a tinge of that in this letter where the kid has said to the teacher, there's stuff I can't do because I have anxiety. Mm -hmm. I have anxiety. And so this kid is already pulling herself out of things in the name of this diagnosis, which may not even be an accurate diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Lisa, I want to pause and take a quick break, but I also want to ask you how the parents even begin to approach this with the child who thinks they have a diagnosis that they might not. And then also, what do you tell the teachers who are concerned that the parents might be hiding something? We'll be right back. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. 
EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table for settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Just think of all that cash back you can get on those groceries. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today, so the future you will thank you for it. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cash back credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cash back? A getaway with the kids? A spa day for yourself? Whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cash back credit card. And don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herb squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ask Lisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. We are talking about a letter that a parent wrote into us talking about their 13-year-old who self-diagnosed themselves after watching TikTok videos for having OCD and potentially ADHD. Lisa, what do you think, what, what would you say to this parent? What do you think the parent should say to the child at this point? Yeah. Well, okay. So let's pull it back a little bit and just think about like the background information I would want any adult in this situation to have. Part of what has emerged, and this is in the letter, is this, and we're just talking about this, like this, I have depression or I have anxiety, that one of the misunderstandings that circulates among young people in particular is that these are permanent states. And 
what I will say is, oh, no, no, no. Like we're really good at treating a lot of these things. So even if it's accurate, right, we'll come back to the question of whether it's accurate or not. But even if it's accurate, I think that this is a point we want to all get clear on, which is we are very good at treating anxiety. There are many, many options for treating anxiety. It's probably the thing we treat best. So people, it doesn't mean you'll never feel anxious again. Anxious feelings are part of life. But for pathological levels of anxiety, we're really good at helping get that under control. People can feel better. They don't have to live with this. Depression, honestly, if it's if it's full-blown depression, it's more like diabetes. It has to be managed mm-hmm. over time. But just like you can manage diabetes, you can manage depression. And people can live rich, full lives where depression is not organizing things for them. There are some diagnoses that um, we don't cure, right, that are part of a person's life, right? There are things like schizophrenia. There are things like autism, right, where they are much more grounded in their the biology and, you know, we can't right now make them go away all the way. You know, we manage those. But most of what kids show up with, ADHD, OCD, when they do have it, depression, anxiety, we can treat it. It doesn't have to become something that the kid feels is a forever thing. Yeah. Okay. So then to the question of what the parent should say, I think with that awareness in mind, I think that when the kid is throwing around terms, OCD, ADHD, my anxiety, teenagers love to learn about mental health. This is what I have found. And so when kids do this in my presence, which they do, I will say, talk to me about what makes you think you have OCD or say more about the OCD. And then they'll be like, I like to organize my desk and I don't like leaving my room till it's organized. And I will say, okay, so you really like things organized and you can feel anxious when things are not organized. Let me tell you a little bit more about OCD. And a parent can learn, look this up. Here's what the diagnosis of OCD involves. And if you look up the full-blown diagnoses, you will see how harrowing it is. So then you can say, good news, kid, you do not have OCD. But won't that sort of be, if the kid believes they have it, and you're like, no, actually you don't. Like, well, what do you know, mom? You're not a doctor. Well, that is a good point, right? So one of the things you could do is you could do it together, right? You could say, look, <laughs> TikTok can be good for lots of things. I would never have you diagnosed off of TikTok. Let's go to the American Psychological Association's website and learn about OCD together. Let's learn about this. So you can give them full and you know, I won't rule out the possibility that the kid will say, actually, there's a lot I haven't told you. And actually, I have to count to 300 every night before I fall asleep. And if I don't do it in the right way, I have to do it 10 more times, right? So, right, leave the door open. Maybe maybe there's more that you don't know. But go to the real information and engage teenagers in learning about it because they love it. And when teenagers say to me, our friend is saying they're depressed, we don't think they're depressed. I will say, okay, well, here's what you need to know. Here's what depression is, and here's what sadness is. Mm. And I walk them through. Here are the symptoms of depression. Here's how Mm. we make the diagnosis. It's a complex process, but we're very clear on it. And here's what sadness looks like. And they will often say, yeah, our friend is sad. And then I'll say to them, okay, so you go back to them. You don't have to tell them they don't have depression, but you can say, you are feeling really sad. How can I be of help? And does that work, Lisa? Do you find that when they go back and say, actually, look at sadness, that helps? I don't know. I mean, in some ways I'm not there for the conversation, but it definitely seems to satisfy the kid I'm talking to Ah. because they're like, right, I want to validate what my friend is saying, but I don't want to participate 
in calling a depression when I don't think they're depressed, but I think that other kid might be depressed, right? I mean, I think that there's sort of a defense of the kids who really may be suffering with those particular disorders that also comes up. What do you do about the teachers, right? Because if the student is telling the teacher, and if I'm that teacher, I'm I'm concerned about, you know, teachers are really great with students and they're concerned and like, I just want to help out. Like, what do I need to know? And how do you explain, uh, we don't really think she has this. I really love that this parent wrote to us, right? Because this is a bit of a jam, right? And again, the kid has showed up and said, hi, I have anxiety. And of course, a good teacher is going to think, all right, if you have a diagnosis I need to know about and that I need to accommodate, like, I'm here to help. Teacher did exactly the right thing to be like, hi, I have this information. So I think the first thing I would do is I would sit with the child and say, listen, I got a call from your teacher, (laughs) you know, and, and your teacher said this. And I would find out more about the context in which this went down. And then again, and that's why I love how we like think it all through together, if you could entertain the possibility that this kid has an anxiety disorder. So you say, okay, talk to me about why you feel you have anxiety, right? And using the kid's language, let's go look it up. And then you go look up and you, a lot of diagnosing, Rena, is ruling out. We rule out things. So you would want to rule out that the kid has an anxiety disorder. And here's how you rule it out. If the kid is anxious when nothing's wrong, they might have an anxiety disorder. If the kid is anxious way out of proportion to what's wrong, right, that they were anxious about a test and they had a full-blown panic attack, they may have an anxiety disorder. But if the kid is anxious because something's amiss, the anxiety is, you know, corresponds to a problem in the world or, you know, a worry inside, and the anxiety is proportional to it. That's healthy anxiety. Mm. And a lot of kids don't know about healthy anxiety. So there could be some really loving teaching. Like, okay, so let's rule out that you have an anxiety disorder. And if you can say, okay, my hunch is that you have healthy anxiety. That is there to help you get back on track, stay on track. And then I think you say to the kid, what do you want to do with the teachers? Because the teachers need to know that it's healthy anxiety that is sometimes a barrier for you. And Mm. I can work with you on how to get past it. Your teachers can work with you on how to get past it. I never thought about mentioning healthy anxiety and how that could get them to rethink. It, it's a lot of rethinking is what what it seems like. Like it's been presented to them, but you're like, if it's depression, look at sadness, you know? Yes. It's really interesting. Well, and again, like this gets to the continuum piece, mm. right? That everybody experiences anxiety. And then when there's so much um, messaging around us that all negative emotions are pathological, people are like, I have anxiety. I must have an anxiety disorder. Okay. Also, I will just say as psychologists, we completely blew this to call everyday nerves anxiety and to also call the diagnosis anxiety. Like Mm. we have not helped the situation. Mm. So I will sometimes when talking with with kids say like, it sounds like you've got some nerves about this as a way to actually create a, a linguistic distinction between anxiety disorders and, you know, having a healthy, you know, kind of activated response when something's not quite right. Makes sense. Um, so can you just give us your little quick guidebook on if you find your, yourself in the situation, your child is self-diagnosing something, you really don't believe they have it, what are like the three steps you think we should take? I think step number one is ask the kid more about it, right? You're using that term, tell me where that's coming from, right? What makes you think that, right? Really get them laying it all out. And again, like as we're talking it through, like there may be more you don't know. Like you don't want to necessarily shoot this down just because it, you know, is sort of a trendy thing right now. Chances are, though, as soon as you start to get more information, 
you're going to have more clarity. And I will tell you even, Rena, on this step number one, there's stuff tr- circulating on TikTok, like diagnostic names were like, I'm like, that's not even a thing. Like, that's oh. not a thing. <laughs> that's not even like, that is a completely invented, like no psychologist has ever. I mean, so there's some pretty out there stuff. So get the kid talking, see what you can find out. And then number two is take seriously whatever it was that got them thinking they had the concern, right? So if they're like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I can't turn in my work because it's just not perfect, right? That may be where the kid comes up with the idea that they have OCD. Well, then take that seriously. Okay, what do you want to do? You're right, the work doesn't have to be perfect. You know, how can I help? So as long as the kid's concerns are being addressed, they're often pretty ready to let go of whatever, you know, term they've come up with to describe the the concerns, even however ill-fitting that term can be. And I think three, understand that teenagers love to learn about mental health. I really love this about them. Well, they're talking about it all the time. Mm. And they take it very seriously in themselves and their peers, far more than any generation before them. And they want to get it right, right? Work with the assumption that they want to get it right, that they do not want to be in this parallel invented universe of diagnostics. We have an actual scientific universe of diagnostics. And so inviting them in, going and looking at the American Psychological's websites, you know, American Psychological Association's website about disorders, helping them find good media information, right? And this is this is a media literacy conversation, right? And and you can actually say the same thing. And if you have a medical concern, please do not take it to TikTok. Right? And maybe we'll <laughs> take it to WebMD. We will take it to your pediatrician, right? I mean, making that argument, like that it's like other things. Like if it's serious, we do not go to TikTok to try to get information mm-hmm. about it. Mm. I can't tell you how badly I wanted to believe those onions would work in the sun. I love you, but come on. <laughs> I know. But sometimes when you're in a vulnerable state and you just- But I'm trying to even imagine the mechanism for how that will work. I mean, I'm not saying I haven't looked on WebMD. Lord knows I have. Don't worry about the mechanism. Her room smelled of onions for 48 yeah, hours. I bet, I bet, I bet. Now awful. you have a new problem. So maybe the cough then becomes lesser of a problem when you've <laughs> got a stinky it, it doesn't bother oh. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for walking us through this, Lisa. What do you have for us for parenting to go? Teenagers make sense. That's what I have for us for parenting to go. That they will bring sometimes some of the loopiest stuff our way, right? I mean, there are teenagers who have used TikTok to decide that they have dissociative identity disorder, which is our new term for multiple personality disorder. It is highly unlikely that most of them have such an unusual and rare diagnosis. But there's something behind it. When a kid comes to that conclusion, it happens for a reason. It's something in what they read attached to something that they were thinking or feeling. And so our job as people who love teenagers is however they bring it to us, even if it is off-putting or, you know, just totally outlandish in some ways, do not dismiss them. Ask, tell me more, tell me more. What made you think that? Where did you see it? Talk to me about this. You will get to a conversation that you probably need to have big takeaway for me always with you is conversations with your kids. You can never have enough and the good that it can do. Um, Because sometimes they're hard to have. They're hard to have. But yeah, yeah, make can make a difference. Absolutely. Thank you, Lisa. And next week, I'm really excited for our guest. We're going to have Dr. Sue Varma, who's going to talk about her new book, Practical Optimism. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. 
Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.